So hello, it's really a pleasure to be here in this continual medical education to talk about the freeze-out policy. This is really a fascinating topic of reproductive medicine. And for those of you who haven't met me before, my name is Mateus Roque. I'm from Brazil. And we are going to evaluate in the next few minutes the rationale of freeze-out strategy, its effectiveness, and finally, we will evaluate if this strategy should be offered for all of the patients during an IVF treatment. So from the beginning, it's really important that the delivery of a health baby, it's important to have a good embryo, a good quality embryo. But the embryo quality is not only, uh, it's not only the embryo quality that is, uh, that is of fundamental importance to achieve a pregnancy, we also need a good embryo-endometrial interaction and also a good endometrial receptivity to achieve our goal during IVF treatments. And it's of fundamental importance to think about and to discuss about the effects of controlled ovarian stimulation over the endometrium when we talk about our IVF treatments. And if we go back in the past, in 1997, Ubald and his group, they published one study evaluating uh, the endometrial dating. They performed endometrial biopsies during IVF treatments on the day of oocyte retrieval. And what they found on that study was that when the endometrial advancement was over three days, no pregnancy were achieved. And they could correlate this advancement with the progesterone levels. The patients with higher progesterone levels, progesterone levels over 1.1 on the trigger date, these were the patients that were more, more susceptible to, to have an endometrium advancement. And the way that we can analyze, you can evaluate endometrium has evolved. And in 2005, the group from Norcajadas, they evaluated endometrial gene expression during control of virus stimulation. They evaluated oocyte donors in one natural cycle and then in a stimulated cycle. And they observed that there were over 200 genes that were over or under expressed during ovarian stimulation. And finally, they concluded that ovarian stimulation affects endometrial receptivity. And this group, they continued with the, with the studies, and in 2011, Labarta, they published that they also correlated this endometrial advancement and the alteration in uh, the gene expression, endometrial gene expression, they correlated with progesterone levels, and they performed the endometrial biopsy in patients with progesterone levels over 1.5 on the day of oocyte trigger, and patients with levels under 1.5. And what they found is that the superphysiological hormonal levels can affect the endometrial receptivity. And when you think about these uh, hormonal levels, when you look at this image about the implantation, we can see that the estradiol, progesterone, and also their receptors, they are presenting many steps of implantation. And if you think that the superphysiological hormonal levels are present during an ovary stimulation, 
we can think that we can have an endometrial advancement and perimplantation modifications during our IVF treatments and during a fresh embryo transfer. Then it can affect the implantation, but not only implantation and now the process of pregnancy, the decidualization, placentation, and finally the parturition. Thus, we could have problems during all the pregnancy and not only for the implantation. And this is the reason to discuss about the freeze policy. This is the reason that we need to think if this strategy is a viable, if this strategy is effective for all of the patients. And this is the question of our presentation. If this strategy is for all of our IVF cycles. Then we need to move to effectiveness. And in 2013, it was published this meta-analysis. Uh, this meta-analysis included three randomized clinical trials, two of them from Shapiro, uh, this doctor that probably he's the father of Frizol. He many, most of his studies concerning about Frizol, uh, they were published by Shapiro Group. And what we could observe in this meta-analysis is that the ongoing pregnancy and clinical pregnancy rates were increased by over 30% in patients submitted to a freeze cycle when comparing to a fresh embryo transfer. However, we can have some problems with meta-analysis. And after we published this study one year later, one of the studies, the first study from Aflotanium, it was retracted from the literature due to some methodological flaws in the study. And if we just keep with these two studies from Shapiro, we don't have any difference. We just have difference in clinical pregnancy, but ongoing pregnancy, we don't have difference. Then we need more randomized clinical trials. And last year, in 2016, a Chinese group, they published the largest randomized clinical trial evaluating the freeze-all strategy. And they evaluated this strategy in PCOS patients, and they found uh, an increase in the probability, probability of a live birth in patients submitted to a freezeol. We can see in this, in this picture, in this figure, that the rate, risk ratio was 1.17 in patients submitted to a freezeol cycle. And this benefit in live birth, it was mainly based on a decrease in the miscarriage in patients submitted to a freezeal cycle. Then what we can conclude in this RCT that, the, that there is the largest RCT until now that was published evaluating the freezeal is that we can have a, an increase in the live birth and a decrease in the miscarriage in patients submitted to a freezeal cycle when compared to a fresh embryo transfer. This year, it was published by another group, uh, a randomized clinical trial evaluating this strategy in patients submitted to a PGS, genetic screening, and embryo transfer in day, on day five. And what you can see in this graph is that the ongoing pregnancy and also the live birth, it was increased in patients submitted to a freezeal cycle when performing a PGS study. Then, they, these are the randomized clinical trials of viable till now. 
and we can have another observational studies evaluating this strategy. And in 2015, we published this study. It was a retrospective study. Until that time, it was the largest study in Frisol. And we could observe in this study when from uh, cleavage stage embryo transfer. And now of the fresh embryo transfer, they were performed only if the progesterone levels on the trigger day, it was lower than 1.5. We could observe an increase, uh, a, a relative risk of 1.33 for implantation rates and 1.28 for ongoing pregnancy rates. And when we performed the logistic regression, we could see that the freeze-all strategy, it was an independent factor related to the outcomes that in that study, it was ongoing pregnancy rates. Then it seems that we have some evidence showing the benefit of Frizol. We have few randomized clinical trials we have, uh, that have, have been published. We just stay till now with those two studies from Shapiro, one of them evaluating normal responders and on the second study evaluating the hyper responders. We have the study published last year evaluating the Frizol in PCOS patients that it was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. And then this year we have one study published in Fertility and Sterility evaluating uh, this strategy in PGS cycles. Uh, last year in ASRM, there was one more study that evaluated the Frizol. It was published by one group from Vietnam that they didn't show any benefit of this strategy of resolving normal responders, but it was only an oral presentation. There is just one abstract. They didn't publish it until now. And then finally, it's really important to evaluate if this strategy is for all. Based on, on those studies evaluating the, the basic science and those studies evaluating the clinical evidence of resolve, most of doctors or men doctors can imagine that it can be applied for all of the patients. However, we need to evaluate with caution many of these studies. If you look back to that study from Orcajadas, what can see is that they concluded that ovarian stimulation can affect endometrial receptivity. But that study, it was performed in all-site donors and the mean number of oocytes, it was between 13 and 18 oocytes retrieved. And also the patients with the high estradiol levels on the trigger day. On this study published last year in PCOS patients, we are, what you can see is that the number of retrieved oocytes is over 14 oocytes, or the mean number is between 14 and 14.4 and the stradiol levels over 4,000 on the day of oocyte trigger. Then it seems that in some, in some specific group of patients, in fact, the ovarian stimulation may affect the endometrial receptivity, but it seems that it's not for all of the patients. We don't have big studies evaluating in poor responders and really normal responders. We just have these studies evaluating hyper responders and also the studies evaluating the endometrial receptivity and the, and the endometrial dating, most of them are based on hyperresponders. And then this year it was published in Cochrane, a review from Vong, that we can see when evaluating 
the cumulative live birth that there's no benefit in performing the freeze-out strategy for the patients submitted to IVF cycles. In this study, uh, in this meta-analysis, uh, it's included the two studies from Shapiro, the recent study published from Shen, and one study from Ferraretti, that's from 1999. Thus, we can have some also some concerns about the, the inclusion of this study from Ferraret, although it was a randomized clinical trial evaluating this strategy, it can have some bias effect here because if we imagine that in 1999, probably our results with, with frozen towel embryo transfer, they were not so effective as we can achieve now. Then I just have this concern or this comment about this meta-analysis and and the inclusion of, of this study. Then we have this question, if the freeze-all strategy is for all of the patients. We don't know exactly, but what you can see in the recent evidence is that this strategy is not for all of the patients. When look back for the retrospective studies, uh, this study, we, it was submitted to ultrasound in obstetric and gynecology. We presented this study in Asher this year, in 2017. And we evaluated the freeze-all strategy in poor responders following Bologna criteria. And in this group of patients, we didn't observe any benefit in performing the freeze-all strategy. In January of this year, we published in JARG a study evaluating, it was a retrospective study evaluating the freeze oil strategy in normal responders, but we considered these normal responders sharing the group in group one, those patients with between four and nine oocytes retrieved, and group two, between 10 to 15 oocytes retrieved. And what we found is that in the first group between four and nine oocytes, the suboptimal group, we don't have any benefit in performing the freeze-all in normal responders when considered these normal responders between 10 to 15 oocytes. In this group of patients, we can have a benefit when performing freeze-all. Thus, if we put this data together, we can see that in patients with a low number of oocytes, there is, there is no benefit in performing. And in patients with over 10 oocytes retrieved, in this group of patients, we have a benefit. However, this data is from our center, and this, we don't know exactly if we, if we can extrapolate all of this data for all of the patients. Uh, what you can see with this data is that the freeze-all is not for all of the patients. It's really necessary on individualization, and there are some recent studies published that going back in this idea of individualization, and this recent study published in fertility, we can see that uh, they evaluated the patients with recurrent implantation failure. And in this group of patients, they observed that there was a benefit in performing the result in patients with previous recurrent implantation failure. However, another interesting study, a really good study published there, they performed a cohort study a matched cohort study evaluating American data, IVF data. And what they found 
in general is that the fiscal policy is of benefit when performing, when evaluating all of their data. However, when they perform the stratification of these patients, we can see that patients with progesterone levels at the trigger day lower than one, there's no benefit in performing this strategy. They only found a benefit in patients with progesterone levels over one on the trigger day. And this benefit, it was independent on the patient's age. In patients with uh, lower than 35 years old, there was a benefit. However, the benefit, it, the benefit looks even better in patients over 35 years old. Thus, it seems clear with all of this data in the past or in the, the past years, uh, the idea that the Frizol could be employed for all of the patients. And we saw this rationale in this presentation and the reasons that the ovarian stimulation may affect the endometrial receptivity and its effectiveness. It really depends on the ovarian response and hormonal levels. Then the idea is that this strategy is not for all of the patients. And we really need to think about individualization as we are thinking about individualization for other parts of treatment, like ovarian stimulation, the lab techniques. We also need to think about individualization. We are selecting the best strategy for embryo transfer for our patients. Thank you very much.